and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast, volume 8, issue 388. And we're going to talk about Galaxian because it's its 40th anniversary and also the games that followed Galaxian in that series. It's going to be one of those whistle-stop history tours, but also hopefully with some good nostalgic memories and a little bit of in-depth gameplay discussion about some of the entries, but maybe not all the entries in the series. You can play along with our podcast if you like. We've got some cool games coming up, as always. We've got the Donkey Kong Country Trilogy. We've got Final Fantasy XIII, the penultimate one of our long-running Final Fantasy series. Following that, for Halloween, we have The Evil Within, and we'll be covering its sequel shortly after as well. We're doing Batman Arkham Origins. And after that, it's Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. You can find that full schedule, as I always say, even though it seems to be something of a a surprise, we do actually have a website full of information and content, caneandrince.com, caneandrince.com. I'm saying it again in case people don't notice. You can get the full schedule there up to the end of the year and links to everything else we do, including our Patreon, which is also at patreon.com slash And you can get every podcast a week before everybody else by supporting us for a dollar a month. That's the minimum. You can pay more if you want, if you're able to. It's only about 80 pence a month. 0.91 euros at the time of recording and you get extended shows as well and extra podcasts too we also have three other shows sound of play playwright and the sausage factory on wednesdays thursdays and fridays respectively they're all completely different but they're all good and they're all from this stable so do check all those out subscribe review rate this show and those wherever you can apple podcasts your rss feed based apps your smart speaker uh, we even have this one on spotify if it's convenient to you. And these days we also have quite a lot of streaming activity live on Twitch and then on YouTube. Subscribe to both of those channels of ours and keep an eye on our social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for details as to when streaming will be happening. So joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 388, are Mikhail Kroder. Gallagher. Wasn't that the guy who smashed watermelons with a mallet? I do not get that reference. He's an American comedian, and yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the voice of returning guest, the much-loved Dan Clark. Welcome back. We are the Galaxians. Good to be back. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Galaxians. And I think that's where this is one of those things. Like Trivial Pursuit, a lot of people call the name of the game with the plural, but it's not. It's a, it's a singular. For whatever reason, the Galaxian, 1979. Uh, Namco made it and it was on a new powerful uh, PCB board with a Zilog Z80 processor with uh, 3.072 megahertz. Uh, it had Namco custom sound hardware. It could display resolutions of up to 264 by 384 in the vertical, which is well beyond anything you could get at home at the time. Had a 60 hertz refresh rate. And it had RGB graphics. It was one of, if not the first ever video game coin-op to have full RGB graphics. And boy, 
did it pop back in the day, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Namco released it in Japan. Midway had the license for the USA and I think quite a lot of the rest of the world as well. It was uh, put together by Kazunori Sawano, was one of the designers. He went on to work on Pole Position and much later Time Crisis. And the hardware was sort of designed by uh, Shigeichi Ishimura. And uh, the programmer, the, the lead programmer on Galaxian was Koichi Tashiro, who also went on to write Pole Position, which is a completely different kind of ball game, really. It was a car game, in fact, a, a 3D, a early 3D racing game with some, again, for, for the time, some really tremendous graphics. Uh, perhaps the image that people may be familiar with, Galaxian does get re-released, it, that, that we're not going to talk about every single version that's ever been. There have been hundreds uh, of official and unofficial versions. It doesn't get re-released as much as Galaga, which we're going to talk about. But I think the art is quite iconic. So this is 1979 and uh, the cabinet, now not every cabinet that you came across in the wild would have had all the official art and everything, but the ones that did, you were greeted with this so uh, 70s prog rock logo, the Galaxian logo, flying mechanoid moths over a green lunar or, you know, alien landscape. And uh, yeah, the whole machine really uh, cut quite a figure, I felt, in the arcades of, of my, my very early youth. So I don't know, uh, you guys are both a little younger than me, but do you have memories of original Galaxian coin-ops, uh, Mikhail? Mm, it's pretty much the the arcade games of this era. It's it's very possible that uh, that I would have seen one, but I was still very young. Probably not, uh, you know. I have, would probably have had to stand up on a chair to even look at the yes, uh, at yeah, the screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's sort of this thing when you see pictures of the cap, you it's it unlocks something in your deep deep memories or something something familiar about it. And yeah, that that prog rock, as you called it, style style logo that roger dean type thing it's it's really yeah. uh something uh very uh very memorable it looks like nothing we'd see today does it dan yeah yeah well um other than those mini galaxian machines that you can get yeah right <laughs> i yeah, can't remember where i first saw it to be honest it's one of those no, things i no. think it's sort of ingrained in my psyche you know where yeah. um it's just always been there. I don't know whether yeah. the first time would have yeah. been in a pub or at the seaside or what, but it's just a bit like Space Invaders and Pac-Man, where it's one of those machines where yes, it was just always there. Um, I think the I must have played it fairly early in my life because there was a, a ZX Spectrum conversion, an official one by Atari Soft. Yes, and right. uh, I remember that was my cousin and auntie and uncle's favourite game. Yeah, um, it was, they were obsessed with it, and I remember thinking. As a kid, cool, this is just like the arcade version. So I must have previously played it even at that point. Yeah, it's just one of those uh, part of my early gaming life games. And one of the things that did separate the arcade machine from the home version, certainly the Spectrum version in particular, was that audio. It tended to be very loud. Apparently it was one of the first games, certainly at Namco and within gaming as a whole, that was actually composed on a synthesizer rather than the sound being you know programmed or coaxed out of whatever sound technology they had available and they really were clearly proud of it it had this really high-pitched uh whistling sort of missile noise and the sounds of the galaxian swarm swooping down on you was just it tended to be like one of the dominant sounds of the arcades of the the late 70s and early 80s and obviously the spectrum in particular couldn't uh couldn't replicate that we had a we had a little tweet from uh, legendary computer game maker steve pickford as we were asking for three word reviews we didn't get many of those but 
his his response was bloody loud just because uh, he remembers that booming cabinet and uh, it really did attract attention at the time um we covered space invaders for that game's 40th anniversary last year and now here we are a year on covering galaxian's 40th and so technology had moved on namco had access to different technology to taito and obviously space invaders have been this massive craze but the technology was moving at such a pace that they basically set themselves the task of beating it in in audio visual terms and gameplay terms this was from uh, an interview in 1985 uh, relatively recently contemporaneous with the game certainly you could still find galaxian cabinets then i mean you still can now if you know where to look uh, but kazanori sawano from namco this is translated by uh, com, who we support on patreon the post invaders arcade scene belongs to namco that was the goal we set and the pressure riding on us with the development of galaxian you could call it the first video game space war visual simulator with its pioneering use of multicolored sprites our plan was to make a game that anyone could play, not just maniac gamers. With our simple is best mindset, we boldly trimmed away the excess ideas from the initial planning docs. We wanted a game that would keep evolving infinitely using only two enemy types, four if you count the colour changes. With such a simple setup, the enemy characters we did have needed varied actions. We programmed them to judge the player's movements and react accordingly, so it seemed that they had a will and a personality of their own. The way they would individually dive bomb the player's Galaxip, that's the name of the ship. I think this element more than any other made Galaxian feel new and fresh compared with previous games. Some might even say it was Galaxian that saved the arcade scene from the doldrums of the post-invaders lull. Strong words. I don't disagree, but it sounds like when um, politicians at the moment say, I'm not saying, <laughs> but a lot of people are saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be perfectly clear, Galaxian <laughs> revolutionised. Um, but it's interesting he mentions the the behaviour of the aliens there because this was such an eye opener at the time. Obviously, Space Invaders hadn't been around that long, but I'd I'd been around. I was uh, seven, six when Space Invaders came out, and I'd played enough games of Space Invaders and the bootlegs and the clones that were knocking around to know that the deal was the aliens lined up and shuffled left to right, right to left, across the screen until he picked them off one by one. Now, I, 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 it would be disingenuous of me to say that I remember the exact moment that I played my first ever game of Galaxian and those enemy, enemies swooped at me. But I remember, the, I remember the feeling of around that time of just thinking, right, okay, here we are in a space battle now. This is not me just based on the ground. This is, this is us flying through space. You've got this multicolored, twinkling, scrolling starfield. So this is also the first kind of vertical scrolling shoot 'em up as well. Even though there's no landscape detail as such, you're flying through space. And they clearly had Star Wars in their minds when they were making this, right? Yeah. So immediately, if you draw that comparison between Invaders and Galaxian, um, you know, and we discussed this already a little bit in the in the episode we did on Space Invaders. Um, it's exactly like you say. It's a Galaxian feels more, much more like a space battle, and uh, with uh, the emphasis on battle, as in Space Invaders, it felt more like fighting off an approaching wave of enemies, almost like fighting, trying to fight off an inevitability. Whereas in Galaxian, it feels like you are actually battling. A squadron of uh, of enemies of aliens, the way they stay in formation and then start dive bombing you, um, 
they never come closer. They never approach you. They always stay in that formation. And the yeah. only way they they start their offense is is that dive bombing uh, motion. And you know the, then they drop their missiles when they come towards you. And it also started incorporating the early, very earliest nascent sort of concepts of uh, of score based mechanics as well. So, for instance, if you had the formation dive bomb you of the the commander ship that always sat at the top of the screen, the the mainly yellow one with its two flanking sort of fighters, which obviously again was reminiscent of uh, Vader with his two wingmen in in Star Wars. If you picked off first the two wingmen and then the the command ship you would get extra points so this started bringing in the ultimately you know the kind of gameplay that's been kind of taken to the max by modern well relatively modern like 2d shoot 'em ups by the likes of cave and, and people like that where where it was more than just you know pick off a line of enemies pick off a line of enemies and each enemy is worth a point here you're actually strategizing and taking potential risks to uh to maximize your score it's one of those things where it um, makes, if you saw a Space Invader and Galaxian side by side, even though they're only a year apart, it automatically makes it look almost obsolete by it being such a sort of, it looks like a, yeah. I don't know, an old penny farthing compared to a mountain bike, you know. It's for just, sure. Uh, such a leap for just that one year. Yeah, and obviously we got very used to that in the 80s and, and the, the leaps have been slower ever since. Um, but yeah, this was this was something, bear in mind, as we talked about on that Space Invaders show, the initial releases of Space Invaders were completely black and white. They had strips of sort of cellophane on the screen to give the illusion of colour and they had this sort of painted backdrop. It, yeah, it was it was eye-popping. Uh, some other things I remember about it, so the, the missile sprite, you could only ever have one bullet on screen at one time which was the same as Space Invaders in that, right? And we should say, for those who don't know, the controls here are left, right, and fire. That was it. That's all you needed. The ship doesn't move up or down the screen. That comes later in the series. Simple uh, is best. And, <laughs> and the ship's pretty sluggish by modern standards. I think that's one of the things that means that uh, Gallagher has uh, had way more re-releases in modern era than uh, than Galaxian is that you get more bullets on screen and the ship is slightly more manoeuvrable. But one of the first things I noticed was that I remember very early on being dive bombed and, you know, I was absolutely rubbish at video games. They hadn't been around very long and I was a seven year old kid. I would die a lot. You were greeted on death, by the way, by this really spectacular multi frame, multicolor explosion compared to the, the little two pixel wiggle of the, <laughs> the space invaders death. Um, but I remember a, a ship swooping down and touching the missile that was sat on my nose cone. I hadn't yet fired the next shot, and that counted. That count. You could still shoot it just by the ship actually flying in the enemy ship flying into the nose of your craft. That was a good thing. I also remember doing vocal impersonations of this game at school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try to recreate that now. Uh, the the missile sound was good, but I'm sure I'd I'd worked on um, doing the uh, the alien explosion noises as well, and the the general diving and swooping. And it another might be a Patreon exclusive. Well, so, that's weird. You're the second person to have suggested that. This <laughs> <week>. <laughs> the um, worth a dollar a month, probably not. <clears throat> uh, had a much higher pitch voice then, of course. Um, the other thing I remember is I had the Atari eight uh, bit version of this, also by Atari. 
and it came on a cartridge for my home computer. So it was always an instant load, which was always a joy when you were used to 20 minute cassette loads. So I used to play it quite a bit well into the mid late 80s. And I remember reading the manual, of course, and it said that uh, every time you killed a command ship, the other Galaxians would stop firing as a mark of respect, a, a solemn moment of sort of uh, of grief for their fallen comrade. And uh, that always really, <laughs> always really interested me. I think yeah. maybe it came out of a bug. I'm not sure. It may be the same non-firing bug that we'll hear more about in Gallagher. But any other ga- uh, Galaxian memories? Is there is there any reason to to play this 1979 game today, or is do you, are you happy that Namco generally doesn't bother with it on uh, other than you know the the outer edges of some of the Namco Museum compilations? I started playing it before. Uh, I moved on to uh, Galaga just, you know, last week when uh, preparing for the show. And I was done quite quickly with it. Like, I felt like I had my fill and really was looking forward to play more Galaga. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have to give props to uh, Galaxian and its single shot each time uh, sort of play dynamics because... One one good thing that comes from it is that you need to make every shot count. You can just just fire off a volley, so it can sometimes feel very satisfying when you hit certain uh, three and targets three. on a mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there there is some enjoyment and some um, satisfaction to be had, but it's a bit thin compared to to Galaga. Um, yeah, dated. Immediately by its uh, by its successor, I don't like to use the word dated, and I think it's a fairly uninteresting uh, <laughs> and productive way to to discuss games. But it, <laughs> by all means, it feels very much like that when you compare the two side by side. By side. At least yeah. superseded. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's um, when I was in, in arcades as a kid. Uh, if there was a Gallagher, I'd always prefer that to Galaxian. But I think yeah. in the in the uh, last few years, I've come to appreciate it as its own thing. Where it may be slower, but it's internally consistent. Like the speed yep. is uh, is what it needs to be. Everything is kind of yes. tailored to that. Um, it's true. So although I don't enjoy playing it as much as Gallagher, um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's worse. Again, like it's a bit like the dated thing, isn't it? Where worse and better are <laughs> strange terms to be using, yeah. really. But um, but I think it's its own thing, and I can still enjoy it as uh, a, a timepiece. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if this when... is true, but. Um, mm. Another of the firsts that I've heard... Now, don't shoot the messenger if this is wrong. And if someone's got a better answer, I'd love to hear it. But um, I think it's the first game that used a visual representation of how many lives you've got left. Ah, that might well be the case. Yeah. Um, As in a smaller version of the player ship. Nice. And on the same note, the flags denoting what uh, level you've got to. Yeah, what uh, wave you've got Yeah, I think that's the first time that that was uh, visually shown on screen too. Seems that way, yeah. Good trivia. I also, like it. you mentioned Star Wars as a big influence, but yeah. the the galaxy actually looks very much like a representation of the uh, Enterprise from Star Trek. I suppose it does a bit. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah. the disc the disc head. Uh, the the Ent- uh, Enterprise like ships do make an appearance in Galaga as one of the sort of uh, the bonus enemy craft. Um, yeah, it, it does look more like one of the, like something. It has those big more, exhaust pipe like uh, yeah, the um, tubes the, on the side. The nacelles, I think they're called, are they? Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they. Yes, I think, and and maybe the pace of the game is more 
Star Trek than Star Wars in in that sort of slightly naval space combat kind of way, yeah. Uh, rather than the you know the may, maybe Gallagher is more Star Wars in that respect, and we were still it's worth saying, 1979 here for context always about the context we were still four years away from the Atari coin op Star Wars the 1983 vector graphics game which was amazing mm. and is still fun to play today. And I that one it. I remember very vividly. Yeah. Now I still play that and I played it recently and it's still fun and that was really mind you know mind boggling as well. Oh my gosh, I'm actually flying an X-wing and you got the speech samples from the film and it's 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 astonishing. But here we are in 1979. Star Wars has been out a couple of years. We're we're awaiting the sequel, although I don't suppose we really awaited sequels in quite the same way then, but I was, you know, I was Star Wars obsessed and so anything that allowed me to replicate some of that feeling of being in space and shooting spaceships was just you know it was just manna from heaven really so uh there's no doubt that that was a huge part of of its appeal and success especially for for kids of a certain age simon sloth from the forum says galaxian blew my tiny mind when i first played it decades ago my first try if memory serves me was on a holiday possibly in america around the same time i first discovered arcades if I could convince my dad to have a try at something, usually I would get the first life and then he would take over. He was a massive Space Invaders fan, so at first glance this looked very similar. At first I thought it was Space Invaders without places to hide. Then suddenly the aliens did their first dive bomb and I was enthralled. It was one of the first games I ever played and I remember the little dance we used to do when we were down to our last alien and it was diving down repeatedly. The resulting nerve-wracking ballet of bullet dodging 1v1 on your last life was exhilarating. I was never very good at it, but I appreciated that you could get a decent amount of gameplay for your credit. Yeah, that last alien. So this was a, a striking difference between Space Invaders and Galaxian. We talked in that show about how the processor speed basically meant that Space Invaders sped up as you shot more of the aliens to the point that by the end, you had this one little alien whizzing from left to right, right to left across the screen, and you had to pick it off with one shot. But in this game, you're down to one alien, and it just dive bombs you over and over and over again. But it's so much less predictable uh, that it's uh, it does feel like a real battle of dogfighting wits in space. So this is from Shigeru Yokoyama. This is from the Gallagher 30th anniversary webpage from 2011. Translated by shmuplations.com. The boss Gallagher's, as they are known, will appear with two red guards, and if you destroy the guards before killing the boss, you get a higher score. That was something we added later in the development process of Galaxian. When a great player puts on a performance, you see everyone watching goes, ooh, and the heart of that performance is scoring. So, yeah, that was, uh, I think, a significant little kind of elevation in the the move of video game mechanics as a whole going from simple you know collecting of scores by racking up scores in yeah. in the way that it was just a case of things cost you know things were worth points and actually that that movement to there are ways of and different mechanisms for scoring points no definitely uh before that scoring was fairly straightforward <laughs> generally yeah yeah i'm trying to think about donkey kong the uh, mm. original game that came after, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that had a lot of scoring variation. Yes, yes. Check out our Donkey Kong podcast. Uh, the Galaxian flagship is referred to as the Ga Gal as the Galaxip 
according to the game's manual, but in the actual game, the Galaxip is the player's ship. Notice the first screen after a credit has been inserted says bonus Galaxip at 4,000 points. That's according to the Killer List of Video Games. So, what? So yeah, uh, well, they don't know their own canon, clearly. There is a backstory, by the way, uh, I, but I, <laughs> it's like... Um, I suspect it's been retold in different manuals of different versions over the years, but basically there's some aliens and you need to blast them. I didn't yeah. think we needed to go into it. <laughs> I don't think uh, building up extensive lore was really a priority in those days. <laughs> it wasn't. Are there Galaxian novels? I, I haven't come across any while uh, no. while researching this show. Ga means moth in Japanese, by the way, right? Uh, Ga means moth, yes, correct. Yeah. 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 So So Galaga is like moth the moth or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, hence the design of the aliens being these sort of mechanoid insectoid kind of things. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I, I suppose that's one thing. Like we're saying it's spaceships versus spaceships, but actually really it's spaceships versus kind of, yeah, alien, mothy robot craft, I suppose. Yeah. I always just thought of them as uh, insects from space, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, the artwork clearly shows them being mechanoid. I believe Insects from Space was a game. Probably a Galaxian clone on the 8-bit computers, so (laughs) that would make make perfect sense. Uh, There were over 40,000 arcade units sold in North America, and it outperformed Pac-Man in Japan even for a short while. And the highest ever score at the time of recording, I believe this is still correct, on Galaxian is 1,653,270, achieved by Mikhail's countryman Art van Fleet. Von Fleet. Fleet? Yeah, yeah, from the Netherlands and verified by Twin Galaxies on 27th of May 2009. Well done. Well done, Art. Well done, Art. Yeah, I mean, I remember I did play this more when the Namco Museum, the the five volumes came out over here. There were six volumes in Japan and I bought them all day one. I loved the Namco, Namco Museum sets back then. There was a lot more to them than the later incarnations where it's just a menu and some games. Back then you got whole 3D environments to play in and you got to go and view the uh the assets and the chipboards and all this sort of stuff and it was uh, it was a great time that was my reintroduction to galaxian i think it was actually after i think galaga was on volume one galaxian was on a later volume uh and i did i did go back to playing it for a certain amount then but again galaga really took over in my affections now in terms of games that came next i think some of the most relevant ones are actually non-Namco products. So Midway's Gorf by Dave Nutting. Now, Gorf was kind of a legendary game for being loud in the arcades as well. Does anyone have memories of Gorf shouting, insert coin at you? Yeah, <laughs> no. I was on a ferry, a cross-channel ferry is the first time I heard Gorf, and they had a little arcade section. And yes. it was um, being in a ship, it's obviously like metal walls. And yeah, it was like echoing around. And it was like, it was, mm. I could hear it from like uh, the sort of, what the stairs called on ship, whatever they are. Um, I could hear it and had to just go and see what this noise was coming from in the arcade. So Gorf was basically an unashamed multi-screen clone of a bunch of popular other video games at the time. So it had a Space Invaders screen and a Galaxian screen and it was, and lots of kind of variations in between. Uh, you played as a kind of Galaxian looking ship with Space Invaders coming down. The sprites, of course, at this point hadn't all been copyrighted or if they had, no one knew how to sue a video game for using the same pixels as another video game. So you can still find Gorf in places like Arcade Club. Uh, the synthesized speech was probably the main draw. But yeah, there was there was big Galaxian influence there. 
The next one, I only just found this out before recording, but it makes perfect sense. Who else had an Astro Wars machine by Grandstand? Dan, did you have one of these little British wonders? No, but I remember it, and uh, people bringing them in for the last day of school, that kind of thing. I've played it for sure. Yeah. Uh, I ended up getting one of these with some birthday money one year. I say it's British, but it it probably wasn't, actually. It was probably, I don't know if the electronics were made elsewhere, but it was by marketed by Grandstand over here as Astro Wars, and it was a kind of hybrid, again, multi-screen, actually, for a, a little LCD game. It had a docking section like, um, is it Terra? Not Terra Cresta, Moon Cresta. Uh, and it had some, yeah, again, some sprites which looked very familiar. But this was marketed as Super Galaxian in Japan. Uh, that was one that even my mum played until she could clock clock the LCD machine. I was thought, it marketed as a Namco product in Japan, or did they just I think, nick the name? Good question. I think it was official. I think it was a licensed job. Yeah. I think maybe maybe the Astro Wars people paid Namco to put the name on it rather than the other way around. I don't yeah. know. Not sure. There was also another handheld called Galaxian 2. Now, this one, I don't know if it has any <clears throat> official uh, relationship. It doesn't look... It, it's another LCD game, as I say, also 1981. Galaxian 2, the logo's different, the graphics are different, the pixels are different. Um, I mean, it is based on Galaxian, the arcade game, but it's another standalone handheld from Entex Industries. It was released in Japan as well under the name Astro Galaxy and Astro Invader in the UK. I have the vaguest memory of it, but um, I guess because it was just called Astro Invader over here, it wasn't as cool as Astro Wars to look at. And so there was also a Galaxian um, Coleco mini arcade machine, right? Uh, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, I'm not quite sure when, but 1981 uh, Galaxian Coleco tabletop arcade. It's um at the time I thought it was like a almost a perfect arcade conversion. I couldn't figure out how they'd crammed it down into this tiny little thing. Right. But uh, but looking at videos today, it's uh, obviously like one step at a time, like a Tiger Electronic game, uh, oh, but with full color graphics. It's uh, all right. It's certainly an interesting curio to have a little look at. A collector's piece, I'm sure. Pale Avenger from the forum says I was introduced to Galaxian and Galaga as part of the Namco Museum collection on the Nintendo 64. Galaxian was fine, although I never felt it offered anything I couldn't get out of the version of Space Invaders I had on my Game Boy. Galaga, on the other hand, is wonderful. The speed, the bright colours, the frantic sounds and the steady addition of new, weirder enemies made it an absolute joy to play. Adding in the risk-reward of letting a ship get captured that you could double your firepower with two ships at once is seemingly a simple trick that adds tremendously to the experience. It's the only video game that my dad and I ever played together for more than a sitting or two, but we played it for years, going back and forth on the two-player mode to beat each other's scores. I think he might still be mad at me for knocking him off our console's top scores list, though. Sorry, Dad. Gallagher. Well, my relationship with Gallagher starts quite a bit later, actually, uh, weirdly. How about you guys? Do you remember this one? Again, you're a bit younger than me, I know, a few years. Might have made all the difference. Or did you come across this in later days, Dan? Uh, yeah, it's one of the, again, it's a bit like Galaxian, where it's just one of the standard, like, top five that if I was in an arcade, I would have shoved a, a 10p into. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I must have picked up on it fairly early doors, maybe, um, I think I was probably five or six. So, yeah, around the time it came out, I guess. But, um, cool. again, it's only a guess just because it is such a um, long-standing thing that I wouldn't ever be able to say when the first time I played it was. Yeah, and is it something that you tend to, when it, you know, Namco bunged it out on virtually every platform that's been in existence since the mid-90s, have you, do you yeah, find yourself sure. picking it up habitually? Yeah. 
it's um, yeah. I mean it's still a fun experience to to play. It's one of those. Uh, um, we've probably said it on so many of these uh, retro looking podcasts, but that um, it just doesn't. Uh, it's a timeless uh, play feel. You know, it's uh, you mm. can always get something out of that. Uh, trying to a- avoid the dive bombing and and what have you. And again, the speed over Galaxian just makes it that little bit snappier and uh, and a bit more enjoyable. Hmm. Mikhail, what's your relationship with Galaga? If that's even how you say it, has anyone ever considered that it might be Galaga? I've heard people pronounce it as Galaga, actually. Yeah. 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 I don't like it. But <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I say Galaga. Yeah. Uh, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. says Galaga. That's good enough for me. Exactly. Yeah, so it's one of those uh, games that are just synonymous with video game history and are, have, seem to have been ubiquitous, so I really can't recall... The first time I've uh, I've seen it or become super uh, or that it, that it really popped into my conscious was was sort of always there, but I haven't really started playing it um, seriously until I uh, for for laughs uh, downloaded the demo on uh, early uh, Xbox Live Arcade uh, yeah. on Xbox three sixty mm. and yeah um, had had some fun with it until I. Maybe a year or two later, decided to actually download the whole game since I kept returning to the demo. <laughs> yeah, you had to spend three euro or whatever it was to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To get the whole thing. Uh, yeah, weirdly for me, I only got into Galaga. I don't think I even really knew about Galaga until about 1985 or thereabouts, maybe even 1986. So after even this game's sequel had come out. I don't remember seeing it. I don't know why I, the amount of times I've talked about going down the arcades all the time as a kid, but maybe there just wasn't one in Brighton or there was only one in this one arcade that I started going to. It was this arcade right on the beach, so close to the beach that it had to shut during the winter and it was usually full of Brighton's shingles. Brighton's pebbly beach was actually kind of up in the arcade. Uh, it had, it, I, I guess it was a less well-funded arcade because it had a lot of slightly older machines in it, even into the mid-late 80s. But actually, that was that was great for me. And the, and the key thing was I had very little money at this point. I was on, you know, paper round money and pocket money. And Gallagher was 10p as opposed to the 20 and even 30p that some of the more recent games were, were asking. So me and my friends used to go down the beach after school in the summer and I started going in this arcade and I would play bits of Juno First and Mad Planets and Time Pilot, all these games that I have fond memories of. But Gallagher was the one that I really fell in love with. Uh, we started having, you know, kind of friendly high score competitions between us. Uh, and again, the music like this, this was one of the first arcade games that um, where the, the music's just kind of been part of the soundtrack, my internal sort of brain soundtrack ever since it's only got it's got like in total the entire game's got like a few minutes worth of music if that um but it's got all these sort of five or six or eight second jingles and the particularly the one that you know i mean getting the perfect challenging stage is just uh is is joyful but particularly the one that stays with me is the melancholic you didn't quite make it to the top of the high score table song which um is just i i i know it's just eight it's four or eight bars or something but it just i don't know for whatever reason it just spoke to me and still does it's still one of my absolutely favorite things the in the intro tune is uh i don't know there's something so so bright about it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it like the sound when you drop a cup of tea or something? It's the sound that plays in your head. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is a different team. This was uh, planned by Shigeru Yokoyama, who uh, would go on to make Splatterhouse, the legendary horror coin-op, which is also on the Switch Namco Museum. Toru Ogawa was the hardware and programming guy on this one with graphics or pixels from Hiroshi Ono. Uh, I think was it, I think he had a nickname, called, maybe this will come up later, but he was called Mr. Dotman among the um among the development team for being such a such a graphics guru and that sound is by nobuyuki onogi so thank you to to him for uh for a life of uh of happiness and slight melancholy yeah and then after playing that and i don't know how long that that machine was there but i certainly remember playing it for quite a while i think it was one of those machines that had kind of slightly i think it was a probably just a pcb lumped into a cheap old cab so it had slightly tacky buttons and you know slightly wobbly joystick uh, and then whatever time that disappeared out of the arcades i had a bit of a gap from gallagher but then that namco museum volume one came out on the ps1 and this was the the start of the era of games being properly emulated on home consoles rather than converted and so it was like playing it all over again and yeah it was just like oh okay here we are 10 years down the line as it was then which was a huge chunk of my life at this point. And I was still, I just still thought it was absolutely great. And I got back into high school tacking and uh, on the Namco museum, as I say, you could play the, you could actually visually play with the dip switches and muck around with the settings and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of learned a lot about arcade machines and how they work and how operators would uh, gouge more money out of you and stuff like that. And um, I had that version for years and then Namco museums just became a ubiquitous thing. And yeah, so I just keep buying it. Xbox Live Arcade version. Uh, I've got a reasonably decent high score on that, and it's come out on PS4 and Xbox One since, and uh, Switch. So yeah, I just keep buying it, and I just keep playing it. I just it genuinely has never got old. I was playing it at lunchtime today. For you know, I, did, I played really badly today. Actually, got a really paltry score, but it was yeah. It's just like every time. Again, for those who don't know, listen to this just because they listen to our show and aren't that familiar. I guess the Apart from the fact that you can have uh, two bullets on screen at a time, four if you've got a double ship, the the most immediate visual striking difference between this and Galaxian is the way that enemies come on screen. Describe the, the ballet of Gallagher, please. They come in uh, swirling uh, flight paths, right? Absolutely. And in, in formations like double lines, single lines. And then and then uh, set up the let's say the 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 line formation uh, yeah in uh, on, on the top of the screen they start building up so it always you always start at an empty screen and maybe it's that tiny detail that makes it feel like whenever you start up a game of Galaga you always feel like you have a chance yeah it always yeah. feel like oh I can do this you know it uh, and and um, yeah, there, you feel like nothing is really standing in your way to reach astronomical heights in this game. Yeah. Also, if you do well in those first few seconds while they're sweeping, you've kind of made the job a little easier for yourself. So much um, It's easier. almost like a kind of, not a bonus stage, but do you know what I mean? A little pat on the bum as an extra. Yeah, so my bog standard thing is to is to hover over on the left as the first lines come on. And it's actually a really bad enemy 
tactic, isn't it? Because they just fly at your guns <laughs> for the yeah. first for the first little while. But it looks it's I just think it still really looks quite visually appealing the way they kind of swirl around the place. And yeah, if they if you let them all take up their positions, you will then be greeted with a bombardment of missiles and enemy diving that is way beyond anything you would ever see in Galaxian. But of course, you've already had the chance to almost wipe them out. And in fact, if you've got the double ship early on, and while the enemies are still relatively timid and they don't fire too many missiles down upon you, you can actually almost clean out the... In- you can, in fact, sometimes yeah. clean yeah. out the entire screen before the formation has even got together. And yeah, that is rather triumphant. <laughs> yeah, it is. This this is something that does remain hard for me to do because when they start, especially that first fly in where the, the first formation comes through the middle and immediately drops missiles when they yeah. when they when they come down yeah it's uh i mean it's obviously you can watch videos of people who are really good at this game and they know they know where to be and where to go and they don't they don't miss a shot but um it's uh yeah it is quite something and and yeah sometimes it's definitely one of those games you can get in the zone um but i rem- the amount of lives i lost lost back in the 80s to the the yellow enemies that uh, dive off the bottom of the screen and then come back round for another yeah. loop. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I learned that so long ago. But um, yeah, sometimes they can still get you. Yeah, um, and you but, can end up in inescapable situations as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can get corner trapped in this game. Uh, I mean, it's for your own. It's it's your own fault if you've ended up playing in in that in that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, absolutely. And I suppose the two as well as the firepower and the swooping and, and, and the speed compared to Galaxian, there are two massive gameplay features here. One of which is, yeah, one of the first video game power-ups, I suppose. But it's not just a straightforward collector thing and make yourself better. It's way more interesting than that. It's such a... It, I still don't... I can't think of too many other games which did it in this way. I didn't understand what was going on when I first played this. Why is there a tractor beam? Oh my god, it's taken my ship. The enemy has taken my ship. Uh I assumed that was it. I just lost a life, right? You just you because you can shoot your ship at that point. You can yeah. you can shoot your ship off the back of the enemy that that keeps flaunting you, you know, taunting you with your own ship that it's nicked from you. Yeah. But what you find out is and I'm not sure if it even really spells this out in the attract mode anywhere, but you can get it back. And you get a double ship. And that was revelatory. Even when I started playing this in the mid 80s, after games, you know, with lots of firepower power ups, this was not something I was ready for. Mm. Tricky is even that you can you you can only get your ship back when the uh, the boss Galaga is diving uh, towards you. Yes, you can leave yeah. it at the top of the screen otherwise, and then it starts to dive bomb you itself. Yeah, exactly. There's there's so many little wrinkles to this, like the fact that yeah. while you're being sucked up in the tractor beam, which is something you actually want to do to get your double ship, you can fire off in multiple different directions and it makes <laughs> a different firing noise. You can even shoot things while you're being captured. You can even shoot the ship that's capturing you while it's capturing you and you get dropped back to, to Earth. There's so many little, you know, curious elements about this. And it's still like for me as somebody who plays this to, to get moderately decent scores, the first thing you want to do is leave some of the boss Gallagher's alive when yeah. they come on the screen. Because if you have, if you don't have more than one, you won't get the tractor beam. Yeah. So you, you have to let two of them dive bomb you. The second one will take your ship. 
and that's all part of the the, the power play that you're <laughs> that you're constructing to to get into the game because the only way you'll clear certainly some of the bonus point stages you need double ships they are designed for double ships i've always been very wary by the the ship <laughs> capture because I, I was so excited it, to hear you say this the other day it's like i don't always play with double ships it's like what yeah now but it, it's it's really scary to me because your uh, hitbox becomes twice as big all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know it's uh th there's this huge risk risk where you're just giving up one of your precious lives early on yeah and uh, it took me the, 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 the last week actually to totally change my mindset uh, on Galaga. It's, uh, and now I'm all double ships or nothing, basically. Like, uh, I've, I've realized I've been playing this game for years as a complete and total coward. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't, get, you any, it doesn't get, you, get you anywhere when you play this game conservatively. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to tell you that. Yeah. Uh, I just hoped I'd encourage you by... Just yeah, yeah, definitely. Each. Just chatting with you uh, about, yeah. about this has, uh, yeah, has made me change my life. The fact that it is a little risky and a little difficult and doesn't happen all that often, there are various factors in play as to getting it, I think makes it all the more satisfying uh, yeah. in, in that risk-reward kind of way, you know, that um, for Mikhail to have played it for so long not doing it, I think shows yeah. exactly yeah. that. It's not like I never did it, but I no. always, yeah, I was always very wary of it. It was certainly not my go-to way to play the game. Yeah, no, I can actually yeah. understand that. And there's a lot of games that I play more cautiously than is beneficial for sure. I've actually started to this advanced age of 47. I've recently started in games that have any kind of system of, of beefing up your characters in whatever way. I've always, always gone for more health, more armor, more yeah, health, more, more defense, armor. Yeah. And I've and I've started to try to go against my instinct on that and realize that actually if you take stuff out, it can't hurt you anyway. And it's probably yeah. more fun for the power fantasy rather than making yourself this kind of this timid little turtle. And, <laughs> here, and here we are in Gallagher from 1981. It's exactly that, isn't it? Yeah, you mm. make yourself more of a target. But you can destroy twice as much stuff. Yeah, like bef literally. before it can even make you a target. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and probably a total schoolboy error, and neither of you mm. do it. But um, <laughs> on your last life, have you fallen uh, for that? Oh, I hate it when I do that. Well, that's where <laughs> that visual indicator. Because <laughs> yeah, obviously, of course, this, yeah. this carried over the uh, the ships down the bottom of the screen, and the lovely little flags, and that's a lovely little thing in itself. I'm talking about audio design and. And uh, and things that kind of spur you on to keep going. The way it goes, blop 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 blop, at the start of each stage to show you, and the icons get more and more uh, ornate uh, and and opulent as you go on through the game. So when you're when you're into the twenties and thirty stages, you've got these flags that you've never seen before that are indicating how far in the game you are. So that's rewarding in itself. And I yeah, it's a high score attack game more than anything. I think and. The, the challenging stages. Now, the challenge is to get all the enemies. So there's 40 aliens come on in formation. It's completely preset. It's choreographed. They don't fire at you and you can't die. They're all All these stages are designed to be done with the twin ship. You can do them without if you're very good, but you're much, much, much less likely to. I would say less than 50% likely to. And if you get all 40, you get a bonus. You get a bonus score. Now, it's not, it's, although it's not, um, it's not, a, a life-changing score it's like 10,000 points and but I suppose in a game where I don't know what an average score is 
um i got i got i was very disappointed when i got like 60 or 70,000 today my normal is you know high 100,000 to 200,000 and but that 10,000 points is more than you get for any anything else i suppose is the point mm. yeah no definitely it's uh one of the biggest scores you, or the biggest score you can net in one time yeah and thanks uh, to changing up my strategy i've been able to reach 80k uh, hey, nice I was one. I was well below that uh, before, you know, with my uh, very cautious and conservative <laughs> scaredy cat uh, gameplay. <laughs> yeah, I used to just love, but going back to the the mid eighties, and again, even though there were already games with well more advanced, more you know realistic looking graphics, I used to love seeing what the next lot of weird bonus ships were that would come on. Uh, yeah. and you also get the bonus ships that show up. In the 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 regular Gallagher's that split into three in the other stages, and the the Galaxian flagships make a, a reappearance, and they're worth big points as well for getting those. But yeah, I just used to like getting to the as far down the challenging stages as possible, just to see because there were some new enemy types that you didn't get in the in the regular game. So stuff like that, again, hard to probably hard to imagine for for people now when we've got you know basically all the graphics <laughs> that look astonishing <laughs> from the off but here we were kind of anticipating these little eight pixel or whatever they were we had to work pixels. very hard to get more graphics you sure did yeah <laughs> we got some more from shigeru yokiyama from that galaga 30th anniversary interview from Schmupplations translations uh, with the new hardware the impossible became possible with the first Gallagher prototype, enemy formations would appear at the top of the screen and fly down at you in patterns that were different from Galaxian. It was playable, but to be honest, it was kind of uninspired. Galaxian is all about weaving your way through the gaps of the missiles that are fired at you, but it would be boring if we just rehashed that. The first thing we tried then was creating enemies with a different attack style. I can't remember the movie now, but there was one that had these beam weapons, a tractor beam, not the kind of laser that destroys things in one blast, but rather the kind you would use to capture something. Might have been Star Wars. <laughs> I wanted something like that to capture your ship and you'd be able to rescue that captive somehow. At first, when you rescued your ship, it gave you an extra life, which again, that, like, that, that seemed like maybe the best that you could hope out of it before you understood. Continuing, but that was just a different spin on Extend, so I thought it was boring. That was when I thought of the dual fighter idea. Then came the question of whether to make them line up horizontally or vertically. But there was one problem with the whole idea. We had reached the sprite limit, back then we called sprites objects at Namco, of the hardware. Specifically, if we had two ship sprites on a row, then it wasn't possible for them to fire two missiles as well. Our solution was to make one 16 by 16 sprite for the ship and one 16 by 16 sprite for the missiles thereby reducing the total sprite count by two. When you power up, your hitbox becomes twice as big, and we didn't really know how that would play out until we tried it ourselves. Once the feature was added, everyone at Namco who playtested it never went into dual fighter mode. They could stay alive longer with the smaller hitbox of a single ship. The trade-off, of course, was that you could do much better in the challenging stage with the dual fighter. We made the later stages that if you don't kill the majority of the enemies when they fly in during the stage opening, there's no way you're going to survive as a dual fighter. So yeah, there does come a point where you can be too big for your own good, <laughs> according to the people who made the game. Ah, 
Simon Sloth from the forum says, I didn't really get into Galaga as it seemed a tad too frantic for me and the difficulty seemed ramped up compared to Galaxian and Space Invaders. I remember laughing when the words challenging stage appeared. For me, this was always a bit of a respite and not challenging at all. So the title seemed silly. I now appreciate it's challenging for the score chasers, but not for me, whose sole objective was survival. I replayed it recently on PS4 and my scores are pitiful, but it is still extremely playable and quite addictive. I think he's right. I don't think it really matters how good you are. I'm not very good. I'm like, I usually get like, if I'm doing really well, like 40 to 50,000. Right. Um, but, um, but again, I, it's just fun to play. I, um, whether you're a high score chaser or just playing it for a, a yeah. little um, bite size bit of gaming, I, um, I think it works either way. Yeah. I, and again, I think coming back to the sound design for me, it's such a huge part of it. Just the sound of the, 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 the the weird noises they went for for the enemy explosions they're not like explosion noises are they but they're like you know kind of really satisfying squishy noises yeah uh synthesized blippy bloppy noises that i still that... i still uh am very much convinced that this is the core joy of a 2d shooter just hitting and destroying things in a in a, yeah. in a satisfying manner too right, and there's tons of popcorn in this game. Like, yeah, <laughs> almost yeah, everything exactly. is popcorn. It's the, it's the popcorn thing. It's the bubble plastic thing, you know. Yeah, where, yeah. There's something something so satisfying about making those small, uh, yeah, hitting those small dents into the hit enemy on hit. Yeah. yeah, actually, everything in this game is one hit, apart from the Gallagher bosses, who are two. And it's yeah, as simple as that, and sort of under yeah, that sort of innate understanding of the game is just it's very easy to keep in the head of a yeah. simpleton like me. So, and it makes yeah. it interesting when uh, a boss Galaga with your ship in tow, with your capture ship in tow, starts dive bombing towards you where you don't want to get too trigger happy and yeah. destroy him and your own ship, especially if the boss Galaga is already purple and has already suffered one hit from you. Too right. Uh, Yokoyama yeah. again uh, says, Pac-Man had the Pac-Man show intermission cutscenes and Rally Cross. That's another case of an X being a cross there, by the way, folks. Had the challenging stage. (laughs) So I knew Gallagher was going to need some special showy feature like that. But for a while, I just couldn't come up with anything. I was racking my brain when our programmer, Tetsu Agoa, came to me with a bug he had found where the enemy formations would appear and then just fly off without breaking formation. He called me over and said, I wonder if we can find a use for this. The bug also prevented some enemies, uh, the enemies from firing. I thought it would be fun to sit there and just blast away at them. So this became the challenging stage in Gallagher. It was a product of chance. Yeah, and actually there's a bug which is exploited by score chasers, which still relates to that bug which came up with uh, that stage, which is where if you leave certain enemies alive on uh, a certain point, the en- all the enemies will stop firing for the rest of the game. There's also a stage, and I've noticed that it varies depending on which version you're playing, which ROM. I've noticed playing recently that the 360 version is different to the PS4 version or the version that they re-released more recently is a different ROM because on the 360 version, it's stage 10 where the enemies don't fire when they appear. And on, or is it stage eight? I forget. Anyway, and it's a different stage on the other version. So they obviously made a few little tweaks. So it might be in the difficulty settings or it might be in the region. I'm not sure. But uh, Revision maybe. Yeah. Revisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So uh, there's that. Uh, Along with Pac-Man and Pong, Gallagher shares the curse of being one of the most hacked and bootlegged games of all time. I don't <laughs> actually remember seeing any of these. Uh, obviously, there was Gallagher uh, Deluxe on the Amiga, 
which we talked about on our Amiga show, but that's completely unofficial. Here we have Beeraga, which changes the characters into beer bottles. Buglaxian uses Gallagher graphics in Galaxian. Gallagher 84, Gallagher, 80, uh, Gallagher 99, Gallagher X, or possibly Gallagher Cross uses Gallagher graphics in 1942. Galagalaxian, which is nice to say, changes the graphics to make them look more like Galaxian. Galapede changes the graphics to make them look more like those of Centipede. And Swarm adds a time limit to make the game harder. Mm. Bootleg versions include Galag with two L's and the beautifully named Nebulous B. That's uh, a Nebulous B. <laughs> thanks to, <laughs> thanks to the killer list of video games. Nice. The best SoundCloud rapper going at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's your new stage name, Dan. Uh, Nebulous D, perhaps? Yeah. Anyway, uh, high score chasing is still going on for this game. There's a new score as of 12th of April 2019. But this is an interview from the person who got it from a few years ago. Armando Gonzalez said back, uh, said on T Twin Galaxies, the official re repository, of course, a few years ago, I definitely believe a 7 million point score is attainable. When asked whether he would chase that mountain, he declined for the time being. I've made it to the top and I'm happy where I've landed for now. Hopefully this score will stay up there for a bit and I can take some time to let my wrist heal. He wasn't joking either. I accomplished a goal here. I'm older and I don't know how much time I've got to keep doing this. I pushed the bar up quite a bit. I'll take some time to rest while other players chase after it. When I'm feeling better, I may go after the Gallagher Marathon records. But in fact, Armando kept coming back and yeah, it's his record. He said a 7 million point score was attainable. He got 9.5 million earlier this year. 9.5 million. Uh, little, little beyond what I can muster, unfortunately. <laughs> It's impressive. Was his wrist the joystick or was it pushing the bar up? <laughs> Unknown. But yeah, no, it did sound like he had horrific. Um, obviously, there's no... Uh, all all the, the modern console versions give you the option to put auto fire on, which is a, both a blessing and a curse because it basically means that your missiles all fire out as quickly as they possibly can, which is not something you always want because you don't want two flying up the screen when you need one of them closer to you. But in the arcade machine, every button press is, is a button press, is a missile fire. And that's, that's non-negotiable. So, yeah. So, yeah, Gapless is a curious one. I've played a lot less of this overall, and it doesn't get re-released as much, although it has turned up on Namco Museums. It was known as Gallagher 3 in the US, but it is Gaplus, as in Moth Plus, as in more Ga Galaxian, more Gallagher. Uh, again, different people worked on it. Uh, Shinichiro Okamoto and Hajime Nakatani uh, were the planners. And it, uh, it was a different sounding game. Junko Ozawa did the sound for this one. Um, I found this when I played this on Namco. I, I did play this at the arcades a few times after, I guess, after understanding that Gallagher came before it. But I always found it very difficult and just a bit off-puttingly hectic and frantic and manic and unfriendly and less cute and just all a bit <laughs> for, for one of a <laughs> one of a better descriptor uh do you guys have any gaplus or gaplus sort of feelings it came to the wii virtual console yes, yes. virtual console arcade and i was thinking about getting it but then i read a vz reviews which became later uh nintendo life uh review that was very scathing Mm. And basically told readers, don't buy it. It's a waste of money. Right. And I stupidly, stupidly listened uh, to the review. Maybe <laughs> I've missed out on something. 
You'll never get it again. No, there no. are other ways to play it, obviously, unofficial. Have you not got it on your Xbox? No, is it on Xbox as well? No, on your... Um, oh, right, your right, right. <laughs> bootleg <laughs> machine. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no, I don't. Okay. Well, yes, you can play it on MAME, and I think it has come out on... Uh, what I haven't done for this show is bring up a comprehensive list of all the Namco museums for all the, all the different formats, but I'm reckoning Gaplus is available here and there. I played it on the PS1 a fair amount, but I still just... Yeah, I just found it frustrating. Dan, have you ever played a bit of Gaplus? Yeah, I thought I hadn't until I um, went back for for researching for this show, and um, and I really, I must have just confused it and Gallagher in my mind as a child, okay. and kind of just not, even though they are different, obviously. But I think I just didn't really separate the two out in my mind because uh, even though it is faster, it's kind of the speed that I remember. So I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah where it all goes but um but yeah i definitely played it at points but nowhere near as much as the other two for sure mm, yeah uh, it's got these screens where you uh, the, the the sort of the, the the gimmick to this one is that there's these screens where the the star field starts scrolling backwards and the enemies come on from this sort of warp hole in front of you but it, yeah it's just very aggressive and i, I guess it's there's coin up history is littered with sequels that were made for the people who'd mastered the previous game in the series right we talked about r-type 2 and things like that yeah maybe super it's contra. one of those super contra yeah maybe it's one of those but even if i'd known at the time that gallagher had already been you know sequeled to gapless and by gapless uh, i'm not sure if i did or not I, I think i would still i'm convinced that i would have preferred gallagher whichever way around things happened it just um this just feels less just has less charm i think the the bonus the sort of the bonus stage is is quite cute um the other gimmick of of course is that you can capture enemy aliens to fight alongside you rather than the old um the old ship double up trip trick um and you can yeah you can end up with a sort of row of enemy sprites underneath you which which add extra firepower and that that temporarily feels quite satisfying revisited that in uh Gallagher Legions. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely in there. Um and there's yeah, there's a stage where you have to shoot you shoot the dancing aliens in this to make a series of words increasingly uh silly words, bonus gapless double triple good lucky bye-bye and extend. Uh and if you can spell out the the entire word by juggling these enemies before they fall off the screen, you can get massive points. Uh I haven't yeah, maybe it's, it's partly my bad for not being as into the game that I've looked up less about the history of this game but I don't know if it is a popular high school game in the in the same way that that its forerunners are but um I think probably... the fact we just don't hear about it as much shows that it's the other two that are the, the ones that stick in public consciousness yeah they definitely don't they don't release them as much but I do remember in Zap 64 in 1988 a, an official conversion coming out this was pro- programmed by Ash and Dave, Ashley Routledge and David Saunders for Mastertronic. They were a couple of coders who went on and made a load of cartoony budget games for the likes of High Tech and Codemasters based on Hanna-Barbera cartoons and, and that kind of thing. But here they um, they put together this Commodore 64 version of Gaplus. And um, Dan, I think as you, you were saying, they actually, it was a, a an unusual deal in that we were used to people like Ocean and US Gold or whoever, maybe not US Gold so much, but... Yeah, no, US Gold uh, did do uh, with some Gold, of the um, yeah. Namco titles, like uh, yeah, right. um, Metro Cross, is that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the US Gold had a, a tie-in as well. Um, but yeah, the, I remember the Spectrum magazines at the time saying, okay, um, 
Mastertronic have bought some arcade licenses. Now, That's they were right. slightly older games at the time. Good idea. Uh, but yeah, it was a reviving. I mean, Bosconian at that point was very old. Um, Motos less so, which was one of the other ones. But yeah, it was just um, very unusual at the time for a budget publisher to be yeah. splashing out on these arcade licenses. Yeah, it was quite a clever move bringing some uh, yeah and i remember that uh gapless uh was quite well received i'm sure it did all right you know get, getting a recognizable name on a box and selling it at 199 seemed like a, a savvy bit of wheeler dealing from the mastertronics uh pale avenger from the forum on gapless says i love the ship construction animation at the beginning but that's about it i found it far too hard when compared to the slow predictable build-up in difficulty of galaxian the enemies would dive bomb far too aggressively as they swiped onto the screen even on the first parsec as the stages were called also if you died before they established their formation you'd start the stage again which i found frustrating this one was not for me perhaps for higher level galaga players well yeah i think that that sums it up yes i'd forgotten that sort of being knocked back element of it as well which is not the case in in its predecessors you uh you just come back on the screen when you die and you wait for you wait for things to kick off again. Yeah. Well, let's leave Gapless behind then, as Namco seems to have done, and move on to something that I'm much happier about, and that's Galaga 88. There's also versions called Galaga 90, which came out for home systems. But 88 was the original arcade game, which came out in 87 in the style of EA Sports games. So this was, yeah, um, a relatively relatively early example of a rejig slash remaster but really it's a full-blown sequel uh, i think because it kind of mashes everything together adds proper scrolling sections brings back in uh, some of the the static screen elements as well uh, adds warps add a, adds a, a serious sense of progress gives you a little map through uh, through the game almost ghosts and goblins or ghouls and ghosts style at the end of the game Lots of different enemies. Lots of different enemies. It's bosses a cute map. Yeah, bosses. Um, obviously, more sophisticated and advanced graphics and sound. It's definitely they've gone for, gone down the cutesy route by and large for this one. And you can now have a triple ship instead of just a double ship. Um, I adore Galaga eighty eight. Uh, what do you guys remember about this one? Uh, I loved it in the arcades at the time. Um, I remember well having loved Galaga. Suddenly seeing this. Uh, like especially with 88 on it which was the, the year to come or the year when i played i can't remember when i played it but um the fact that it yeah. seemed so <laughs> up to date like this this is now this is today's gal this isn't your granddad's Gallagher. this is this is now this is something new thank you yeah i first started playing it uh, on the wii virtual console uh the turbo graphics 16 version called galica 90 yeah because it was released two years later after yes. it was a port of two years later um, I don't know what prompted me to get it actually, but I think maybe if I would have played this game at the time, I wouldn't have been as impressed because because we got some really fancy scrolling shooters at the time. True. Yeah, but I think uh, as is often the case with these sort of retro retro <laughs> games, like mm-hmm. like games that were kind of like retro throwback games in in their in their day already. Um, they seem to be much more fun to ret- to to play nowadays. Uh, just to, to savor those little little enhancements and uh, those extras that they add to the, uh, a core strong formula. Yeah. Um, you also you you called uh, Galaxian and Galaga scrolling shooters because they had a scrolling background, right? 
Yeah, but I, think, but, I think it's here. It's quite yeah. uh, uh, the 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 difference between an actual scrolling shooter and what is essentially a fixed screen shooter with a decorative scrolling background is yes. actually pronounced because there are scrolling sections in this game. Yeah, uh, where enemies come flying on and off the screen, which is and kind rocks. of the, exactly and rocks, which is kind of the hallmark of an actual scrolling shooter. Yeah, it's uh, it's not just a formation that stays on screen until you defeat. Yeah, of course. Them. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. It, I, f- I find it uh, I find it a pretty tricky game. I never managed to get into tough. the third third dimension, uh, which is always sort of disappointing for me because yeah. I always seem to do really great until a certain point where I start losing ships fast. It is a tough game. I recently played it at Arcade Club in Bury in, in the north of England, and I had one of my best, longest ever goes. It was great. Uh, perhaps it was the, the extra response time the immediacy of the original hardware whereas i'm i mostly play it on uh, on switch at the moment um perhaps you get slightly better response time playing handheld than playing docked i don't know uh, i've done i've done all right on that version i get to to the sort of two-thirds of the waypoint but yeah it's a game i've never i've honestly never completed i've never got to the final final stages it is tough one of my strongest memories about gallagher 88 is when there was a a machine down West Street in Brighton, the home of uh, so many arcades. It was during the period that Julian Jazz Rignall was living in Brighton and commuting to London to work on CMVG or Me Machines. And I knew that he'd been there because uh, I was down the arcades one day, went to the Gallagher 88 machine, and the score on it was something astronomically ludicrous because he was a notoriously you know, good international winning games player. And it had his initials, J-A-Z. J-A-Z. Nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I could never <laughs> never get anything close. But again, it's another one that oh, while I will pl- I will play it for for high scoring purposes. There is th- there is that also that w- will to progress in this one because you get yeah. different backdrops and different enemies. Yeah, uh, little cute, super cute little intermission screens with little enemies that say funny things in alien languages. Yeah, and this is taken out of uh, out of the TurboGrafx 16 or PC Engine port, Galaga 90. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So uh, when you said to me, "Oh, it's kind of like uh, an earlier em up," really it didn't yeah. really dawn to me. And then I w- went uh, to, uh, to actual 88, the arcade version, and yeah, sure enough, there were the cutesy intermission screens there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's super yeah. cute. Uh, I, I mean, I just yeah, this I find this game immeasurably and eternally adorable. From things like the enemies that go into fireworks when you kill them, they yeah. <laughs> they just straight go into fireworks, and the ones that turn into big balloons before they pop, a bit like the enemies from Namco's other game, Dig Dug. The yeah. t- the high score music is just one of the most deliriously silly things in all of gaming. Um, just a, a complete moment of lunacy, and um, yeah, I just uh, I just think this game is amazing. Like I love Gallagher more. I think Gallagher's a purer kind of uh, just a wonderful distillation of mechanics, but Gallagher eighty eight is just like a warm hug of a game to me, even though it's yeah. really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Galactic dancing as well. You played oh. those uh, those first two tracks on the, the sound of play that we did on uh, the music of two uh, D shooters, the shut up, shoot 'em ups. Yeah. yeah, that's Galactic Dancing. So yeah, they've remixed the the challenging stages in this game. It says that's Galactic Dancing on the screen. Yeah. And then the enemy movements are coordinated to a series of 
really cheesy synthesized it's all fm chip sound i think this coin up isn't it it sounds like sort of mega drivey or the something right time for it yeah yeah and there's like a waltz and a bossa nova and various you know kind of yeah latin dance and um a military march and all, all yeah different different tunes for and whatever your whatever the tune is the 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 aliens will <laughs> kind of jig about to them and uh, yeah it's just I, it's delightful yeah i said on that sound of play show as well that it really upset my daughter when i was shooting the aliens in the galactic dancing uh <laughs> stages because she felt like yeah they're not they're not even attacking you daddy like you're yeah. shooting these dancing aliens that is true it is mean but you know they invaded yeah. our solar system or something that's always felt a bit to yeah. me like um what the gallagher developers did on their day off kind of thing you know i mean because it goes in so many <laughs> odd little directions yeah yeah anyway uh as you uh might expect um last week marked the first uh time that i started going with the double ship option right from the beginning of course, yes. Because so you, you can actually select single or double ship. Uh, that's very true. Yeah. yeah, and if you pick double ship, you have one extra spare or one less spare life. Indeed, and you can immediately boost that into a triple ship, which is yeah. uh, doesn't have triple the hitbox quite, but it has a larger hitbox. And yeah, triple ship is the way forward, in my opinion, the way to go. Certainly for uh, for large swathes of the game. But yeah, yeah. that's that's fun too. I do recommend people check it out. Uh, I know the Namco Museum collection on Switch is was considered a little expensive because it's a fairly small smattering of games from their massive history. But yeah. I think it has come down in price uh, and is well worth checking out because the selection of games it does have on it are almost you know exclusively bangers. So you get Pac-Man versus on there as well. You get both Rolling Thunder arcade machines. You get Gallagher and Gallagher 88. No Galaxian, but... Uh, Total tangent, but can you play Pac-Man versus um, online with that? Mm, good question. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> Not that it matters. That's just a, a consumer advice question. That shouldn't really have brought up. Here. It's a good question. Though. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not sure. But yes, it is certainly the easiest, uh, less cable-tied way of playing um, Pac-Man versus... <laughs> So yeah, now for me really comes the fallow years for the most part. The next um, decade, really, there are some Gallagher titles that we need to talk about uh, and Galaxian titles, I should say. But I know far less about them. I'm far less au fait with them. And they're not really in the same genre in many cases. So Galaxian 3 Project Dragoon came out in 1990 originally, did end up on the PlayStation in 1996. And it's an on-rails space gun game really uh can you what year was starblade that was namco's big one and i guess that was around this time 93 maybe yeah i'm, I'm wondering why they're sort of branded differently because they seem totally. like part of the same series don't they completely yeah yeah so starblade for those who don't know is a, a star wars like game it was very fast but mu you know it was, it was a bit like star wing but first yeah, person you could and see, you could see that uh Argonaut and uh, Nintendo must have been very influenced by Star Starblade. Uh, Absolutely, uh, yeah. but it was super flash at the arcades at the time. It wasn't it? Wasn't texture polygons? Was it? It was very high res, high yeah. frame rate, uh, non shaded polygons. Yeah, it looks very similar to Starwing, but with a yeah. lot more going on and a lot smoother uh, performance. Yeah, yeah, and so I don't think, uh, yeah, Project Dragoon and its follow up, Attack of the Zolgear which uh, in some regions didn't even have the Galaxian 3 moniker. Attack of the Zolgear was the follow-up. Um, so, yeah, officially, canonically, they're all part of the same 
lineage, but I don't remember seeing the coin ops. I think they had a six-player one at um, the Trocadero back in the day. That would make sense. And there was um, a six-player uh, attack of the Zolgir somewhere in the world, possibly only in Japan, maybe America, in 1994. Yeah, I think I played the Zolgir one at like a Disney park, maybe, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I remember playing one in London and one somewhere else. I'm not quite sure where. But, um, yeah. But they're not, they didn't feel like Galaxian games, for sure. But, uh, no, but when it was it. a room full of people, when, when you've got six people sat there all kind of blasting away at their own little... What their own uh, crosshair and what have you. Reticle, it, yeah. It, it was a an interesting experience for sure, but uh, mm. not one that I'd associate with Gallagher or Galaxian. No, exactly. And I think that's why I've kind of bypassed them largely. Those kind of games are still kind of in vogue, aren't they? There, there's been recent games by Taito, like there's a Space Invaders one, isn't there? Which which is kind of a although the it might not have the sort of three D sci fi sort of thing going on but it the multiplayer everyone just shooting at the screen manically thing is definitely still something that people go to the arcades for so i'm sure it had its time a little bit of trivia about attack of the zolgir it had a narrator sort of uh, i guess a, a voiceover telling you what's going on and stuff like that it's actually uh, robert belgrade who is uh, also the voice of alucard in the legendary voice cast of castlevania symphony of the night among many other things, he's also in uh, the recent Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, of course, uh, making his comeback. And he's the announcer for Tekken 5 and stuff like that. So he had a, he had a good relationship with Namco. Uh, Gallagher Arrangement was a mid-90s sort of revisitation of the, the Gallagher formula. So they released a... They were sort of, this was, again, talking about remasters and re-releases... Namco were actually re-releasing coin-ops at this point. So you could play classic video arcade machines, like there were multi-select machines, but they would also have arranged versions of coin-ops within them. Um, but this is also, it's confusing because it's not to be confused with the PSP Gallagher arrangement, which came out on the um, on the PSP, uh, uh, what was it called? Namco Museum Battle Collection in 2005 it's a slightly different game to the other gallagher arrangement so completists completionists need to get hold of multiple gallagher arrangements i did play the psp one but i don't have any strong memories to talk about there was a galaxian fever mode on namco's shooting medal arcade game uh, these were early 2000s japan only and these were a prize, you know, prize-winning games for for shooting at the screen. There was a Galaxian-themed one, unsurprisingly. Now, here's one I remember existing, but I didn't want anything to do with it. Gallagher Destination Earth on the PlayStation One came out in the year 2000. Also came for PC and Game Boy Color. Uh, I've watched some footage of it. I remember it reviewed poorly, and it looks absolute trash. Uh, developed by a company called King of the Jungle Limited, published by Hasbro. Uh, did anyone <laughs> did anyone get suckered in by the name? Nope. <laughs> no, but I've played the Game Boy Color version just in researching for this show. Oh, and uh, bless you. It's really not <laughs> very good at all. <laughs> good to know. Glad it's worse than, worse than games that are, well, a game that's 21 years older. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel like I'd, I'd missed out. It doesn't even feel, although it's got the name, it doesn't even feel canon to me, like officially. I know they've 
you know hasbro put it out king of the jungle made it that's not that's not galaxian or gallagher is it really it's just some shovelware i think for opinion. it's probably because of the size of the game boy color screen but when the aliens are coming on screen uh like swooping around and in, going into formation you can't get hit by them so they just sort of you're you're basically invincible for for that right. which I can see why maybe it's the size of the screen. They thought it's just going to be too difficult if we don't. But unchallenging um, stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is, it, yes. is it is it a similar ilk as that uh, Space Invaders game where you stand in a street and uh, and uh, the aliens are sort of walking towards <laughs> oh, you? Yeah. Formation. Yeah. What was that? There was a lot of this on PS One, wasn't there? And and it's unfair yeah. to lump them all in together because sometimes those curious experiments by smaller second party teams or whatever are actually very interesting and worthwhile they're made with a lot of love obviously robotron 64 is worthwhile for example yeah for example yeah Yeah. um but often these are just yeah shovelware trading off the name aren't they and um it's unfair you know i i can't review it because i haven't played it but all i can say is that as a lifelong gallagher fan i remember it coming out and thinking "Uh uh-uh that ain't gallagher i think hasbro Uh, had a lot of success with these um sort of reboots they They did a pong Pong 3D, and... which is actually a really good game. Um, yes. But various others that they'd brought in this period, the late PS1 period, yeah. they uh, had, yeah, like, again, not remakes or remar- reboots, I suppose, of totally, um, yeah. all these sort of classic franchises. So I suppose this one was one that they tried that just didn't work out. Yeah, different team, maybe. I think, yeah, that team that was doing the Atari stuff seemed oh, to have Frogger some... is the... Frogger, the yeah, talented people. Yeah, it always comes down to individual titles and, and yeah, it goes against our sort of philosophy to kind of lump everything in together. But I'd never heard anything good about this particular game. But I, and, and I'm also I'm always conscious that one thing I've, I've had when podcasting before is I've talked about a particular old game and then people have said, oh, I went and got this game and it was rubbish. And it's like, which version did you get? And they, they got some awful sort of knock like that. Like, yeah. You were saying how good Gallagher was, but I bought Gallagher Destination Earth on the PS1 and it was garbage. It's like, yeah, that's not the same game. It's literally completely different. So that's my, yeah, it's like a public service thing. Yeah. (laughs) So Gallagher made something of a comeback in 2008 uh, after that eight-year gap with only Gallagher arrangement on, and loads of other appearances on on, uh, Namco Museums. But Gallagher Legions was a distinct new title for... Uh, I think it was part of the Xbox Live Summer of Arcade, but it also came to PS3 and 3DS. I have to say, now I've gone back to this for the show because it's playable on Xbox One and I've owned it since it came out. At the time, Pac-Man, we did a show on Pac-Man Championship Edition, right, which was the other, the sort of counterpart to this. It was an, a modern Namco team taking an old, uh, a vintage much-loved IP and modernising it. Now, Pac-Man Championship, Pac-Man Championship Edition, even the first incarnation, I thought was just a work of genius. And so I was so excited for Gallagher Legions. And it's just kind of okay, I think. Like, it's not... I just don't... Like, Pac-Man Championship Edition was so compelling and so tightly designed and so had such a great, tight set of scoring mechanics... And I've been playing Gallagher Legions again, and it's it's kind of a mess. It's visually very noisy. It doesn't it doesn't exude a lot of charm. It's got sort of bits of ideas from the older games, but it doesn't feel like any of them to play or be in. It's got some some cool ideas, like you're constantly dropping these two satellites that you've got to shoot with the right stick, and you drop them on the screen, 
And it's all about popping the main enemy of a group to kill the rest of them. But it's, I still can't really put my finger on why, but it's just, it hasn't got the magic that I was desperate for it to have. So I haven't played uh, Legion's Vanilla mm. ever. Is it uh, very compar- comparable to, uh, it's to DX? It's quite different. It is, it's, as, it's at least as different from DX as Pac-Man Championship Edition is different from DX of that. At least, possibly more so, actually. Some of the core mechanics are, are changed. DX looks quite a bit better. I think DX runs in a higher resolution. The visuals are a bit clearer. And it's all a bit more... DX is kind of a bit more showy and fully choreographed. Legions is a bit more... Feels a bit more... A bit looser and scattershot, more scattershot. But it does also feel more skillful. Like, it's actually... I think it's a, it's a tougher game with potential for more reward. But the moment-to-moment is just... I would say DX is more compelling just because it's so simple and it just things just keep blowing up. Whereas Legions demands quite a lot more of the player. Yeah, and and in uh, in regular Le- Legions, uh, is it also easier to uh, to die? Uh, yes, and to lose your ships and get a game over. Much easier. Yes. Right. Yes. Because it's actually hard to do that in DX. Yes. No, you can, you can, it's, it's hard to, like, I, I was going back, I went back to both of these on, on Xbox Live, and so I was looking, I don't, rem- I don't have strong memories of playing either of them, really, but I'd got almost all the achievements on DX, and I only had two of the achievements on the original. I've since unlocked a couple more, but yeah, Gallagher Legions is way harder than DX, uh, and DX is probably more fun in inverted commas but i think there's probably more to legions if you can be bothered to get good but i don't Interesting. feel i don't feel that the reward is actually there in the moment to moment for it to feel really worthwhile i think it's stuff like the sound design just isn't very interesting to me it doesn't sound very appealing uh there's kind of thumping remixes of old tunes but they're they're not particularly nice it all sounds a bit muddy i think the the shot noises and explosion noises just aren't haven't got that sort of pizzazz and panache that the earlier games in the series had. It's all fine. Like I don't hate either of them, but they both reviewed around sort of sixty seven percent on average in everywhere, and I would completely go along with that. <laughs> it's um there's a sort of synergy between the uh, graphics and sound, but when they're both a bit too busy, that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, you play much of this? Um, I think. This it came out a year before I got my 360, yeah. so I think I only ever played the trial. Um, I mean, I remember playing it, but I I don't think I've actually got the full game. So no, not a whole lot. Mm. Yeah, um, Tadashi Yaguchi was the director for this one and DX. Uh, we'll just we'll temporarily jump forward to the DX version. So they waited a whole three years before coming back and revisiting this, and it is yeah, it's noticeably more polished and more. It feels like it's a more um, sort of thought through and designed sequel, but it's also more kind of in the same way that Pac-Man Championship DX kind of ramped up the endorphins by doing the massive chains of of ghost munching and all that kind of thing. It sort of does that in the sense that it just um, there's just a lot of things exploding and enormous swarms of enemies uh, on screen. But it but it never, as you say, it never really gets that hard. And instead of this slightly unintuitive dropping your satellites on the screen as sort of remote turrets it's just a twin stick shooter uh, yeah. with, with two fire modes so they've they've stripped down the actual controls which you know again pros and cons um 
and yeah, as I say, it definitely looks a bit a bit cleaner and neater. It's less of a less of a visual mess. I would I say. I think I think it's aesthetically very mesmerizing at parts uh, mm. when when you've got symmetrically moving swarms of aliens fanning out and swirling around the screen. It's uh, I think it's actually a, at times a really impressive, uh, nice looking game. There's a lot of stuff on screen. Yeah, yeah, you can have some fun on both of the versions by swapping out your default ship for sort of pseudo retro yeah. versions of the gap plus galaga and galaxian ships and so on but, but i think that in the with those filters the game becomes less readable i agree it's hard, harder to identify yeah the the core ships that you need to go after yeah yes i agree and i just think that i had dozens and dozens of both retro and sort of revised and modernized versions of of old games and score attack games on ps3 and 360 and these are a couple of the ones that I've probably put the least time into for yeah. whatever reason. They just, the only thing that's got me playing them a bit is just having a little to and fro score attack with you, Mikhail, in the last few days. <laughs> like yeah. suddenly that brings it to life. Now, maybe, maybe if more people had bought these at the time, that would have, it would have worked out better. I would have played them more and got yeah. more into them. There were lots of people playing Pac-Man Championship Edition and, and DX. Yeah. So that kept though, the leaderboards were alive, but here I, I mean, I've got I've got a few friends on the leaderboards, but I'm I have been until now top of them all with virtually no effort because I don't think anyone else had been felt that compelled. I've got various friends across these systems who are uh, people who are renowned for setting rid ridiculous and disgusting high scores on these games, but none of them are bothered on this, even if they've got the game, which says to me that the mechanics aren't there for the for the compulsion. Yeah, I've I've watched the. Uh... I've I've watched uh, a replay of the top score on Area Two where we were going back and forth okay. on, and um, I don't think there seems to be very little room for improvement there. Yeah, because the guy is just at the exact right moment at the exact same time all the time. Yeah, like, positioning himself, firing in the exact same ways, and yes. I don't really see much wiggle room for a huge improvement to to what you're seeing there. No, there. we we were in the one and a half million range yeah. on that uh, on that stage, and he got six million. The crazy thing is actually up until the fifth stage of Area Two, he uh, scored three hundred sixty thousand, and then like the the millions started coming in yeah. at the very last stage because that's where yes. things go nuts. That's where you capture the uh, uh, the enemy Galagas yes. and have this whole yeah. fleet and then you got this very quick succession of of waves uh, coming towards you. Yeah, yeah. It's See, I, I like I like the uh, Galaga Legends DX quite a bit. Uh, mm. I think it's also I like the I do like actually the sound of hitting all the small enemies. It has, has sort of this prrr, this sort of pop it's really re repetitive rendered, yeah. popping sound. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. it's nicely rendered. I I love the uh, the uh, aesthetics of the the, the fanning swarms, uh, but I don't love the whole game as a whole as much as Pac-Man Championship uh, Edition DX for sure. It's not that satisfying to play, uh, and I think also maybe because it's a two D shooter, it works less as a pure scoring game than Pac-Man does because you never feel quite that sense of intensity of danger in yep. this game that the best two D shooters give you. Or that the yeah that like the scoring everything about the scoring systems in in the yeah. Pac-Man Championship games feels like something you could have a handle on, but here you've just got a screen filled with numbers and zeros and yeah. just like there's just too much kind of noise 
once you start figuring it out, it's it's basically a time trial thing. It is, yes. Yeah, so you, the, you, you need, the first the game more, isn't the, at all, the, by the, the way. Faster you, right, right, right. So in DX, the faster you take swarms out, the more swarms you get to shoot. Precisely. Thus your points rack up more. And the trick is that you have these uh, sort of boss ships that if you shoot them, they take out the whole wave that accompanies them right, all, yeah. all at once. So that's something to go after. But they're usually protected or in the trickier formations, they are protected by their swarms of enemies. So you need to get get yes. to them. Yes. And the best way to do it is to go for the yellow orb ships that are uh, cause explosions when they uh, yeah. when you, when you shoot them, but they're also not always as easy to get to. So you want to wait for the right moment to shoot the yellow ships so they cause a chain reaction explosion and hit the big ships and yeah. then take out the wave as quickly as possible so you can quickly move on to the next wave. And you've got before each wave shows up, you've got this sort of mesmerizing line formation showing up, so you know sort of know where they're going to fly in which yes. kind of uh, kind of formation, which is cool. Mm. So I think there's a lot I, I yeah, there's a lot going on there and I like it quite a bit, but it's not on the level of Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, unfortunately. For me personally, not on the same level as um, Space Invaders Extreme as well, which came out at the same time. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think the two were vying for my money and my time. Yeah. I, I do agree, but I think it's better than uh Infinity Gene <laughs> for me <laughs> <Yes>. personally. <laughs> I like it. I like Infinity Gene more. I think it's got more personality than Galaga Legions, but yeah. there you go. It's just a very Infinity Gene is just a very odd game for me. <laughs> it is an odd game, for sure. Yeah. yeah. There have been various uh, iOS and mobile games over the years as well. There's a Galaga remix in two thousand and nine. A lot of these again done outside of the the auspices of Namco, Namco, Bandai, Bandai, Namco themselves. Um, and, you know, as as we all know, with a lot of uh, mobile titles, often just having the name is enough to get them to the storefront and therefore get people downloading them. There was a Galaga special edition in 2010 on mobile, Galaga 30th collection on iOS in 2011. And that was actually, I think that's pretty much straight conversions. I don't think it's available on the store anymore the only one i could find on the apple store was one called galaga wars which i'll talk about in a minute yeah they're not available anymore i did have an ipad no. that's um on an old version of ios but the right. touchscreen died a few weeks ago i'd had i'd actually oh. downloaded a few of these that i'd got back in the day oh. but unfortunately i've not been able to go back and play them because the touchscreen died on me so. any recollections at all you want to share with them um, other than uh the touchscreen just being a great interface for well, for any 2d shoot 'em up really but um but I, I quite like that as a, um, not using a sort of joystick left and right, but you know where you can like use your finger to yes. move the ship. I've, I've mixed feelings like about that. Uh, yeah. there, are some, there are some people on the Kenny Rins forums that might very strongly disagree <laughs> there with are. you, Dan. There are. <laughs> I enjoyed, uh, yeah, I thought, I mean, like cave, Caves stuff on, on iOS, I think they, they did a good job with that. But there is the, the unsolvable problem of your finger not being invisible. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. some of your finger will be obscuring some of the would be nice if you're, you could turn your finger into a green wireframe like yeah. a punch out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you not do that? Um, there was one that I'd completely missed before this show. Or I mean, it seems weird that I didn't know it existed, but there was a 3DS compilation kind of thing. Pac-Man and Galaga Dimensions which features uh, both Galaga Legions for the 3DS, uh, which I think is based on the first version of the game, um, even though it came out in 2011. I might be wrong about that. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. There's also Galaga 3D Impact, which is a 3D on-rails shooter game 
in which the player aims and steers by moving the 3DS in a fixed position relative to his or her head in a way similar to the AR pack-in game Face Raiders. A tractor beam enables the player to absorb enemies and upgrade their ship. So that's not really, that's not really Galaga. Uh, Galaga Wars, I have been playing because it's available now on Android and iOS. Ooh, it's free to download. Have you? Yeah. Um, uh, go on, you say what you think first. <laughs> um, I actually quite like it for just a, if, if okay. there wasn't the sort of microtransaction y oh, build up yeah. your ship, wait for timers and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I like the very ba- the pure gameplay of it. I quite enjoy, um, especially like for um, mobile games where it does have that arcade feel. You know, like you can either sort of watch a video to continue or that. Kind of thing. I always just play one <laughs> yeah. life and then end the game. One life, end the game. I just treat yes. it like that. And um, I think that's the way to know. do it. Um, I mean, it's not the greatest game in the world, but um, but I've had some fun with it. How about yourself? Uh, yeah. Uh, the the really nice generous reasonable part of me agrees with you and it's like yeah it's um it's fundamentally perfectly playable you know the controls are responsive it's got you know it's got some sort of remixes of galaga stuff in it and you know, you shoot some enemies and it passes the time the the more cynical uh, part of me hates it <laughs> like it's um it's there's it's no a mobile re- game isn't it it's a, it's totally a mobile game. You, I've just fired it up. It's telling me to tap to open a box. It's showering coins up in the air. This is nothing to do with video games. It's given me warp capsules. Now it's given me. Do I want to double my daily reward? I get to watch an ad, a, like a two minute advert for another game. Then I say no, and then I can play or I can touch this upgrade your ship which reminds me that actually there's no way of really getting good at this game it's all about how many times you've upgraded your ship which is to do with how many times you've booted up the game and it's given you more coins uh, so yeah and it and it feels kind of soulless it's by a, a company called paladin you can buy some nostalgia tickling skins for uh, galaga 88 and sky kid and Starblade and zevius and katamari damasi but between three and five pounds a shot uh, but uh, I, yeah, there's also invasive adverts that you can't avoid. Yes, in between you finish a game. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, one yeah. of those that I got yesterday, um, it sh- showed the original Gallagher as like I the know, video, I and then the game that it recommends isn't Gallagher. <laughs> <I know. laughs> What's that about? Yeah, yeah. So nonsense. So kind of okay in on. My 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 nice head says yeah it's all right. My other head says it's an absolute pile of garbage. Uh, sol- there's probably a dozen sol- games like this that are better without the Gallagher name. I'm sure. <laughs> Soulless cash in. Um, anyway, you can download it for free and see what you think. But uh, please, please listen. If you do, if you've been interested by our Gallagher and Galaxian chat, and you think, oh, I'll try that free one on my phone. It is not the same game. <laughs> it is absolutely not. It's a kind of bog standard. Uh, just eternally scrolling ships, enemy ships come on the screen and they vaguely resemble ships from Gallagher. But the way, the way that every single mechanic works in the game is nothing like the original Gallagher. You auto fire and you drive around with your finger and so on and so forth. So yeah, don't, don't get, don't get it muddled up with the game. It will advertise to you in a video, but then not let you buy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't, don't go 
and go and get that version of the game and then bl- blame Leon when it's well, not exactly. it's cracked up to be. Yeah, especially yeah. if you spend £8,000 on microtransactions and yeah. re- realise <laughs> that it was basically a swizz and the game never actually changes in difficulty. You just spend more money on it. It's all your fault, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we should mention the PS1 loaders from the Namco mm. stable because I remember playing a bit of uh, bit of dancing. Uh, I think it was Ridge Racer Revolution has a dancing galactic dancing stage on it to unlock some extra cars. And I think, was it Tekken had Gallagher on it? A few. Anyway, when Namco were doing this back in the early days of PS1s to mask the very slow loading speed of the CDs, they would have you playing little bits of emulated Namco games, which I thought was brilliant. I thought that was pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Did they have, was it them who had the patent for it and then nobody else could do it? That- um, yes, although it had previously been done uh, on the C64 with that invader. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah. at the time, there was uh, a bit of um, antithesis towards Namco getting the patent because that's right. it was an idea that had been previously used, but not on a CD-ROM-based console. So there's obviously patent differences and what have you. And now no one uses it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was also that time that it was... It was dubious whether Sega had a license. They, they only Sega were allowed to have you um, change camera in games, wasn't there? There was a whole wrangle about. Oh yeah, that. or to have an arrow pointing towards your goal yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think crazy was, Texas style, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also when I think it was when Daytona um, or was it Virtual Racing was about, and you had the four camera buttons, and it was like no other no other game maker can do this because this is our patent. It's like actually every game has camera controls in it now. Anyway, yeah. interesting times. Uh, Gallagher is in Smash Brothers, or has been since the last version, basically as a kind of side product of Pac-Man being in there. There's some Gallagher-related uh, yeah, iconography there's an power-ups. assist trophy, uh, which is the boss Gallagher, yep. which is uh, hilariously to troll, hilarious to yeah. troll other people with, but quite annoying to get captured by yourself and then carried off the screen. Yeah, and it and, seems and lose, and lose the stock. hard to avoid. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's possible to avoid, and it's even possible to wriggle free of it. Right. Uh, but uh, if you're a little bit high in, on damage, you can forget about it. Right. I see. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there have other been other uh, bits of Gallagher and Galaxian have popped up in in other games, but um, no doubt in in Namco stuff. Uh, but probably the most important contribution to popular culture from this stable of games is the the famous joke anyone want to do the honors what the gallagher brothers you've ruined it (laughs) what's the rest of the joke like (laughs) i I assume that was just the joke you're looking for so what's the build-up and the punchline uh the uh setup i think i think you're supposed to just say what's oasis favorite computer video game Uh, i get you right Yeah. yeah I'm st- and I, w- I thought I was being all original. Yeah. I'm still reeling from the fact that having seen them both interviewed recently, after decades of Noel being the less horrific, annoying knob of a Gallagher brother, it's now reversed. It's the other way around. Yeah. Liam actually seems but- like a relatively decent, reasonable human being, and Noel's turned into a complete, even more of a knob than he was before. They're probably uh, in cahoots. They all discussed this behind the scenes. It's by the by. <laughs> uh, the game Galaxian appeared in the movie Big with Tom Hanks in 1988. It's not a film I know too well. I have seen it once before. Gallagher appears in War Games in 1983. 
as a starring role, as it does also in Marvel's Avengers, bracket Assemble, the 2012 film in which uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, tells off a deckhand for playing Gallagher when he thought no one was looking, which I thought was very sweet. And when they cut to him, it is actually Gallagher as well, which because it could have been one of those annoying things like they do in films where they have Video to game wrong, goofs. Yeah, wrong game, wrong sound effects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, does Gallagher appear in Pixels? I don't know because I'm not going to watch that film. Or Galaxian. Does, does Gallagher or Galaxian appear in Wreck-It Ralph? I'm not sure, actually. Possibly. Uh, I don't think so. No, maybe not. Yeah. Ah. And there was also... Although, although mm-hmm. that uh, sort of uh, light gun shooter Halo clone thing does have a lot of space insects uh, flying around. Certainly so. does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hero's Duty. Yeah, that's Hero's Duty. Called. That's what that's it's what called. called. Yeah. Uh, and there was a submarine in the TV series Lost called the Gallagher, which I didn't remember. Uh, there's plenty of merch. If you go to the Bandai Namco store, you can get tons and tons of stuff. There's been, as Dan said, there's been like those um, standalone coin-op plug-and-play things as well. But anything, yeah, anything Namco t-shirts or mugs or coasters you want, I think, Bandai Namco. I'm not on commission, by the way. I wish I was. Uh, but there was also a, a greeting card. Hallmark made a Christmas tree ornament shaped like a Gallagher arcade machine with complete with sound clips from the game. I don't know when that was or whether you, whether you can still get it. That's according to Digital Media Academy. And then, now this happens a lot when we do these series. There's always a news story like this one, it seems, about an IP. And you know nothing's going to come of it, <laughs> but let's let's do it anyway. According to Variety earlier this year, classic video game Gallagher to be developed into an animated series. Sweden and LA-based production company The Nuttery Entertainment is developing an animated series and other extensions of the 35-year-old Gallagher brand. The Nuttery has signed an agreement with Bandai Namco, the Japanese game firm responsible, which has spawned by an earlier classic, Galaxian. The Nuttery, a new outfit specialising in digital content, is expecting to develop new characters and stories based on Gallagher including an animated series titled Gallagher Chronicles. We are incredibly honoured to be able to work on such an amazing legacy property and help launch it into the animated space, Jansen said. There is such deep love for the game from fans around the world and our team is excited, of course they are, to make sure the next chapter in the Gallagher (laughs) saga is equally impressive and inspiring as its humble 8-bit beginnings. Added Hirotaka Watanabe, an executive officer at Bandai Namco, while the reimagining of the game into animation will be unique and for the first time in Gallagher's history, story and character based, there is also a great respect for its history. I mean, yeah. I said it I said it won't happen, but then that was I'm I'm still operating on a pre Castlevania, pre Witcher T V series world. So maybe maybe it will happen. Mm. There's there's high school girl, who knows? I think this is from like two thousand twelve uh, though, isn't it? So Oh, was it? Unless they've been spending seven years or I thought maybe it was more I'm wrong. Than that. Uh, oh, maybe it is. I could be wrong. Um, although, if if it's the first time in Gallagher's history that it's going to be story and character based, then it's not actually Gallagher's story and characters, is it? <laughs> it's a very good point. It was twenty seventeen. <laughs> it's two years. Oh, okay. And if it's an animated series, that might not be unreasonable. So it may still be happening. But uh, yeah, we shall see. You also sometimes see um, Gallagher sprites graffitied, not as often as you see Space Invaders ones. But True. I'm sure I've seen some Gallagher ones here and there. I'm sure you're right. 
We'll see what nuttery they'll come up with. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would assume it would be a kind of just a generic space adventure series with the same, you know, with the ships and the enemies called same things. But beyond well, they did that, pole position, didn't they? So you're absolutely right. They did do pole position and Pac-Man and Pac-Man. <laughs> what a cartoon <laughs> that was! Yeah. By the way, most of that's on maybe the, if they uh, if they emphasize the cutie aspect of uh, Galaga eighty eight, it could be something something yeah. fun for an animated series. Cutie, but not cutie. An important mm. distinction. What we're going to get is Galaga Destination Earth, the animated <laughs> series. Yeah, <laughs> mm, like the Rambo cartoon, the equivalent of that. Uh, Simon Sloth says my recent replays of Galaxian and Gaplus were on the Namco Museum Remix collection on the Wii, which has a delightful little arcade cabinet section, which justifies the purchase alone. The so-called main game consists of multiple Pac-Man theme modes, of which one is Galaga Remix. But this is an on-rails shooter, whereby you are asked to sh- tasked with shooting aliens whilst Pac-Man rolls down a marble run to the finish. It is terrible. <laughs> Everything from the presentation, design, level of challenge and gameplay smacks of a cash-in emerging two intellectual properties. Overall, Galaxian is an important series, which I'm fond of, and I will absolutely never forget that first alien that dive-bombed towards me. It blew my mind. I can't say that about too many games these days. Yeah, I had a little watch of uh, Gallagher Remix, as it's called, on on that Wii collection. And uh, people in the comments were actually being quite nice about it. But it is, again, it's just, it's a light gun game. It's, no, it's, a, it's a light gun game with a Wii remote involving Pac-Man. It is not a Gallagher game <laughs> in any meaningful sense. Other Don't than, get that version. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but you could get that because it means you get the whole Namco Museum with it. Isn't, True. I, I assume Namco Museum Remix Collection on the Wii also includes some actual proper games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> there we go. That's one of our sort of rundowns. Uh, slightly incomplete, but also in places very heartfelt and detailed. I'd like to think of the Galaxian series in honour of its 40th anniversary. So I suppose it just remains for us to try to sum up our feelings on the series as a whole, some of the games within it, and uh, which, if any, instalments we might recommend and on what formats to listeners of this podcast. Mikhail? Yeah. So last year we've covered Space Invaders. That's more than a year ago already. And in that episode, in that issue, we already compared Space Invaders uh, a bit ahead of things to its descendants Galaxian and Galaga. So... Galaxian, then, um, you know, it must have been really impressive on its release, as we've heard from Simon Sloth. But it, I think it's really, it was really just a stepping stone to, to Galaga, to me, to me at least. So, is Galaga as important a game as Space Invaders was? Not really, I don't think. Uh, it didn't birth a whole genre like Space Invaders did. But nevertheless, it's a major milestone in its evolution. Uh, there are the multiple shots you can fire off. There are the bonus stages. And then there's that um, yeah, very rudimentary power-up system in the form of retrieving a captured ship. And I think that in it's precisely this element that really yeah, brought uh, the scoring versus survival, risk versus reward principle that has been the underlying core guiding principle of arcade game design to the forefront like never before. It really pushes it to extremes. 
I mean, at least at that, that time, I think. So the risks are so big here, uh, mainly sacrificing a precious ship in the hope of getting it back in one piece and doubling the size of your hitbox in the process. Also, you're able to take down more enemies. That it really took me until last week to embrace this and adopt sort of a do-or-die attitude towards the game. So aside from all of that, uh, I think Galaga exemplifies the best of the deceptively simple early 80s arcade games. It's a game where you feel that you have all the tools to ace it, but of course you almost never do. And that's what has kept me coming back to it over time, uh, over all these years. So the versions I'd recommend are, of course, the original, um, but I think the charm and additions of, uh, of Galaga 88 are hard to resist as well. Always a fun time to play. And although I don't think it's on the level of Pac-Man Championship Edition DX by far, I think Galaga Legions DX is worth a try as well, uh, if only for the uh, yeah mesmerizing swarms of swirling space bucks that uh, fill up the screen. Um, yeah. So uh, if you can get it for for uh, for not too much money, I definitely recommend having a go on that as well. Thank you. Yeah, it goes without saying. I think for me, Galaga, in itself, in that that particular instalment of the series, is one of the most important video games of all for me. Galaxian probably kept things going for me in the early eighties. Not that it needed much help because there was so much exciting stuff around, and certainly. I do have some fond memories and still thinking about how bright and loud that game was. It, it certainly sort of spoke to how the the medium could move forward. But it was actually, yeah, quite some years later that I started playing Galaga. And really, apart from the hiatus between whenever it was that that particular coin-op disappeared from my local arcades and, and when it started being re-released on home systems and the, the PS1, in this case... I've been playing it ever since. It doesn't go, never very long goes without me playing it. And I actually like to think that the fact that my sort of lack of passion about Gapless, for instance, proves that I'm not just this kind of, you know, nostalgia machine that just automatically mm -hmm. loves everything that's from the 80s or from the arcades. It's not, it's just not true. Like there's, there's mm -hmm. definitely stuff which lasts and stuff, stuff which doesn't. A few years ago, as sort of part of this cane and rinse thing, I was going into the local tech college now uh, 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 the Met, Brighton Met, um, talking to some video game students about what I did and why I did it and, you know, all this podcasting and games passion stuff. And these were 17-year-old kids and one of them was talking about Gallagher. One of them wanted to talk to me about how Gallagher was still brilliant. Like this was a kid who was born way after that game was even, you know, was old. And he was a yeah, young lad of 17 just saying, yeah, G Gallagher hasn't aged, has it? And so that made that really sort of justified my feelings that, yeah, it's like it's a proper, it's one of those genuinely kind of timeless games. Obviously, you won't necessarily have the same kind of emotional connection that I do to it, playing it during my formative years as a teenager down the beach with my friends, you know, learning about life and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff about girls and puberty and it all you know com comes along at this very uh formative period even though the game was already a few years old then but uh and it, but i still play it even now that the nostalgia is almost it's almost a point i've played it so much over the preceding years uh the succeeding years i should say mm. that the nostalgia has almost worn off but i'm still playing it <laughs> like yeah. 
because it's still like so compelling as a game. Uh, so yeah, Gallagher, you can get it on PS4, Xbox One, whatever. Um, do play. It's like two, three pounds or something. Um, it's got a high score table. That's all you need, really. You can get some trophies from it and stuff as well, if that's your thing. But it's an absolutely integral part of video gaming history. And I think, yeah, even though Galaxian is at least as important in its own way, I completely get why Namco just keep releasing Gallagher over and over again. Gallagher 88, I also just adore. I just think it's a, a wonderful thing um, without quite the same level of, of sort of high score attack purity as, as, its, uh, as its namesake, but just a wonderful bit of um, 80s video game magic. As I say, you can play that officially on a few formats, including the Switch Namco Museum. Um, yeah, as for all those 90s, 3d games and and on rails shooters i don't even like we included them in here because we're never going to give them their own podcasts and it's just sort of fun to talk about them even if we haven't played them properly but um they existed (laughs) yeah Um, their names need to be acknowledged absolutely yeah and i'm sure the people that made them you know particularly the like the the coin ops that bore the name galaxian 3 and stuff i'm sure the teams put their heart and soul into them but they're just not really what the series is about for a lot of us who were there at the beginning so and i think they're probably genres that haven't aged as gracefully as as the your standard 2d left right shoot left right and fire shoot them up so so yeah uh gallagher amazing damn um for me gallagher is almost the quintessential video game like the platonic ideal if i close my eyes and think yeah. of a game it it's kind of the one that that sort of appears there it's um from the sounds the colors the um just everything about it screams video game to me you know it's um if i load up say uh an emulator not that i would um it's it's my go-to it's one of the first things that i play to sort of check something out or on one of the nanco museum compilations it's my go-to dive in at that one i mean i'll go back to pac-man and all the others as well but gallagher like you say it's not necessarily a nostalgia thing it's that it still feels as playable as when i first played it. it um it just is that video game. I'm going to recommend for people to play Galaxian as well, though, just because yeah. having gone back to it this past week, I really enjoy the simplicity and also to be able just to be able to look at uh, that point in between Space Invaders and Gallagher, that, that there has to be kind of a stepping stone in between uh, with Galaxian being it. Um, so for me, Gallagher will always be a game I'd play and always one that I'd recommend to someone uh, who hasn't played it. Uh, but also, I'd say go back to Galaxian Two and just look at where it all started. Beautiful. What is a video game? Somebody asked me. Gallagher. Gallagher is a video game. That's what we'll tell them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dan, you got anything to plug? Um, people can find me on SoundCloud. A uh, temporary McName. Um, <laughs> still love that. Um, yeah, so they can find some of my weird audio stuff on there. Um, still slowly walking towards uh, launching a podcast, but that won't be for a while yet because I've got other stuff in the way. So okay. Nebulous D, and that's what we're going to call it, right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so it remains for me, Leon, to thank Mikhail and Dan, as well as our correspondents, and to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you appreciate all the time and effort and work that goes into this uh, major organisation and all the research and everything and so on, please do remember to rate and review and subscribe to these podcasts. And best of all, if you want to support us, keep us going 
patreon.com slash cane and rinse and get every podcast a week earlier often extended beyond the two hours of the free-for-all version and an exclusive monthly podcast for like 20p a week the minimum is a dollar a month and it really does help next time in issue 389 it is 101 percent our donkey kong country trilogy podcast Thank you.